Wire Bank Sucks listeners, this is James, the Notorious Better Banking Guy, inviting you to join us on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash notoriousbanker. For as little as $1 a month, you can support this podcast and my other podcast, The Notorious Better Banking Guy. $2 a month will get you bonus podcasts created exclusively for Patreon and a shout out as a contributor on my podcast. I have dedicated the last 15 years of my life into bettering the financial lives of others, and with a small contribution on Patreon, you can help me better the lives of you and countless others. The Notorious Better Banking Guy fights for you in the banking world and fights even harder to keep you financially awesome. With vigilante customer service, helpful tips on how to save better and spend wisely, and much, much more. Other benefits are available at higher levels, but I ask that you contribute to Patreon today to support the fiercest financial advice out there. Bank like a badass and support the Notorious Banker Guy on Patreon today. Once again, that's patreon.com slash notoriousbanker. See you there. Welcome to the Wire Bank Sucks Podcast. My name is James Bach, and I'm here to tell you Wire Bank does in fact suck very much. The first podcast of 2020, 1,812 amazing followers at Bank Better Guy. Thank you so very much to my listeners and to my followers for following me on Twitter. 3.7 million tweet impressions. It was an amazing month. I got to tell you, December 2019 was the most successful month so far in my little project. Tons of people interacting, tons of people following, tons of people sharing their stories of bad banking, whether it's Bank of America, Wells Fargo, or any of the other big banks. I got to tell you, it's been a lot of fun, and I'm going to continue to do it into 2020 with your help. Patreon.com slash Notorious Banker. If you have a dollar, two dollars, five dollars, ten dollars, Anything you'd like to donate, if you think the work that we're doing, that I'm doing, is worthwhile, please donate some money. Um, Time's getting tight. I'm getting a little scared. i got to be honest with you. Money is not flowing in the way that it should at the moment. Chalk it up to the holidays, of course, you know, Christmas season, buying gifts, and not to mention all the uh, potential sponsors out there for the Why Your Bank Sucks podcast and Notorious Better Banking Guy podcast. We're on vacation as well, so... We are um, playing catch-up, i got to be honest with you. So if you feel um, in your heart that I do a good job, please donate a dollar, two, five, ten, whatever, to patreon.com slash notoriousbanker. You can also DM me there, PayPal, Cash App, and Venmo options as well. A quick influx of cash will help me sustain this going into 2020 and continue to kick booty for you and all the followers and all the bank customers out there. Wire Bank Sucks and our Vigilante customer service rescued over $410,000 from big banks, primarily Bank of America in 2019. It's been nine months of doing that. And yeah, you know, $400,000 may not seem a lot to the, you know, $250 billion net worth of Bank of America, but I made an impact on a lot of people's lives. And thank you so much for um, your trust and your patience and allowing me to do that for you. And we're going to continue to do that in 2020. Are you kidding me? I'm going to show Bank of America, I'm going to show Wells Fargo, I'm going to show the entire banking world that, you know what, people have a voice, and that voice can be through me, James Baca, the host of this podcast, the Notorious Better Banking Guy. Today's podcast is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to talk a couple of things. I've been nostalgic the last couple of days because it's the eight-year anniversary of my trip to Dallas, Texas. I was named personal banker, then um, then known as personal banker. It's now called relationship manager at Bank of America. And they um, treated me to an all-expenses-paid trip to Dallas to learn my craft, to sit in the classroom, and to learn how to be uh, an effective salesperson and a better banker. 
I was an amazing banker because of that training, and I was an amazing salesperson. I'm, I still am. I'm a fierce salesperson. So I'm going to get into the training part of it and all the silly things that I experienced during my time in Dallas. But first, I want to talk about a breaking story that happened in the last few days. Uh, the website American Banker did mention that Wells Fargo execs may face criminal charges in the coming weeks because of the fake account scandal. People are going to have handcuffs on them. I love them. People are going to jail. I love that. So after this brief promotional consideration, I'm going to talk about that. And I'm going to tell you why it's a glorious thing. Even though someone may not spend a day in prison, the fact that handcuffs are going to be clicked on the wrists of Wells Fargo executives with their French cuff shirts and their $1,000 suits makes me happy. So after this brief promotional consideration, I'm going to celebrate with you. So please stick around. All right, we are back. Now, you know, a lot of things give me joy. I'm one of those guys who likes to, to feel good, who loves to... You know, just find anything that makes me smile. You know, whether it's going to the grocery store and finding a dollar off coupon for a box of cereal, as I did yesterday at the grocery store, or just finding a way to get free coffee from Starbucks, earning more stars on my gold card. I always look for the best and everything. I always look for a smile. With the whole Wells Fargo scandal um, of a couple of years ago, there's not a lot of things to smile about, to be honest with you. It's a very frustrating situation because I know both sides of it. Now, I never worked for Wells Fargo a day, but I had been a customer there for 20 years. I mean, hell, I had an account opened up when I was 15 years old. So that pretty much tells you that even 20 years ago, they were, they were overselling to people who were underage, such as myself. And I had that account. It's a great account. I, I, I have nothing bad to say about the account because I never had to pay a fee for it until the last year or so whenever, I mean, I got fired from Bank of America and I didn't have a direct deposit going in. They never did me wrong, but having multiple friends who worked at Wells Fargo as personal bankers, and, and here's the thing too, I have one great friend who I worked with back home in Socorro, New Mexico. She was a teller and she was a good teller, you know, not a great teller. I don't think any of us were great tellers. But she became a great personal banker uh, for Wells Fargo, and she hated it. She said it was all about overselling. She said the stress level was just too much. She said that, hey, you know, I smoked, and now I smoke some more because of Wells Fargo. Really stressful gig for her, and she left banking. She said, I'm tired of it because Wells Fargo was continuously pushing, continuously just making her feel like crap because she wasn't overselling the way that they thought that she should. And then I had another... Um, teller um, compatriot of mine here in Las Cruces, New Mexico, become a personal banker for Wells Fargo in Texas. And I got to admit, she was not the best teller. In fact, she was really bad. She got fired from Bank of America for not being a good teller. And she worked at Wells Fargo and she was really good at it. She won awards. She got bonuses. She would tell me about it. And it was all because of the overselling of accounts. And she said, I love being a banker, but I hate having to push accounts for people who didn't want it. And I would tell her, and her name is Ashley, I would say, Ashley, you know what, I, I understand totally, you know, that's just the way that it is, you know, it's about overselling, and she says, no, you don't understand, like, there's old people that they push to get two, three, four accounts, they want them to split direct deposits from their pension four different ways, and it makes no sense, so, I mean, I learned about all this stuff through my friends, you make friends in banking, you know, people tend to stick in an industry whenever they work in banking, because that's all they know. Do I want to work in banking again? Not in the way that I did before, but if I could be like an ombudsman or something where I can point out what's going wrong with banking, I would gladly do that. As long as they paid me handsomely and they gave me full autonomy to, to call them out on it. 
So I, you know, I followed the fake account scandal and I looked at it. And, you know, Bank of America got some heat on that too. Saying, oh, is this happening at Bank of America too? Now, hear my words when I say this. Do I do I think the fake account thing that happened at Wells Fargo happened at Bank of America? Absolutely not. It didn't happen in the same way. There's checks and balances within Bank of America, at least in my region, where you couldn't do that. You couldn't just open up 10 accounts and have no way of actually um, getting away with it because someone has to look at your work. Someone has to review your documents. Someone takes your documents at the end of every day. So you can't hide stuff like that. And especially in a small town where everyone knows everyone, I know the signatures of a lot of well-known customers just because I've seen them a million times. So it never happened that way in Bank of America. Bank of America was different. They pushed accounts. They opened up unnecessary accounts for existing customers, but it's unnecessary in the sense that it wasn't a fake account. It was just overselling whenever they didn't need to sell something. So, of course, thousands of people were fired. Most of them were lower-level associates. I myself got fired from Bank of America for something similar. I, I made an error on an opening of a checking account, and they said that that error kind of constituted the fact that maybe I didn't open the account correctly, which means I probably opened up in a rush just to try to get credit, and I got fired for it. I I don't agree with how I was fired, but I understand why they did it. I mean, they didn't want as many bankers as before. That's just the nature of the beast. But the fact of the matter is, I understand um, the angle they used to fire me. So when I read this American Banker article, and I'll link to it in the show notes, where it says, Former Wells Fargo execs may face criminal charges in coming weeks. Oh man, that's a sexy headline. I love that headline. I'm going to read it. It's by Kevin Wack. It was published January 3rd. I'm just going to read it verbatim here, but I will link to it. Thank you so much, Kevin Wack, for this article. Multiple former high-level Wells Fargo executives are under criminal investigation in connection with the bank's fake account scandal and can be indicted as soon as this month. Federal prosecutors have been eyeing potential charges against individuals who were once in the San Francisco bank's upper management ranks, according to sources familiar with the situation. Until this point, the scandal's repercussions have fallen most heavily on lower-level employees. you damn right. Thousands of whom were fired, 5,500 were fired um, to be exact, though some high-level execs have also lost their jobs and had their compensation clawed back. September 2016, Wells Fargo agreed to pay $185 million in fines. Dude, they made $5 billion a quarter. $185 million in fines is chump change. Um, With the CFPB Office of the Comptroller of Currency and the LA City Attorney's Office in in connection with 2 million customer accounts that have been flagged as potentially unauthorized. And it talks about the Department of Justice in Carolina, California and North Carolina with assistance from the SEC and the OCC. The probe could yield some of the most high-profile criminal charges against U.S. bankers since the financial crisis, though sources noted that the situation remains fluid and is subject to change. Now, um, as I mentioned, I'll link to it in the show notes, and I want to stress that these are just you know rumors at the moment, but my thing is with rumors, whenever they're published in a website like that, they tend to have a kernel of truth um, to them. So my thing is... It's going to happen, okay? It's really going to happen. And I'm really, really thankful that it's going to happen. And here's why. I don't think, you know, whenever it comes to, particularly this, the fake account scandal, that you never put 
hey, what I'm doing is going to put me in jail. They don't think of it as a crime. They think of it as getting to the goal by any means possible. It's a reality show to them. It's all about just getting to an objective, achieving it, and there's a cash prize at the end of it. Now, working at Bank of America as a as a relationship manager, personal banker in a small town, my three months goal was extremely high. I had one of the highest goals in all of my region, and it sucked. And I was I was pissed about it the whole time. The whole time I was pissed at it because I never felt that I was treated fair. But in reality, they were wanting to make the goal so high that I couldn't reach them. And then when I couldn't reach them, they'll say, hey, well, there's not a lot of business here. Let's close down the banks. I would hit those goals routinely, and I would get paid $1,100 as a quarterly bonus for my troubles. There'd be a couple of additive incentives, you know, just hitting 105% or hitting X amount of dollars in revenue. But you, you factor in taxes. You factor in... All the things that go along with it, because when you get your bonus check, it's like a normal paycheck. They deduct all the crap from it. My three-month bonus was roughly just less than a, an additional paycheck, which is not a lot of money. You know, I was I was making forty-two thousand a year, but when you break that down over twenty-six checks, it's really not a lot of money. It doesn't matter where you live. The next level up, my boss, you know, would have those same quarterly goals, and her bonus would be five times that it'd be five six seven thousand dollars a quarter so someone making ninety thousand can easily make twenty thousand plus and then her boss who's like the area manager of bank of america has these you know crazy goals for all these banks that he or she manages you know 30 40 50 banks and that person can literally make five figures they can make 20 30 40 thousand a quarter just for hitting these sales goals. So that's an extra 100000 a year on top of the 150000 200000 plus that they make annually. That is a crap ton of money. So people that high up, such as the ones in Wells Fargo, they make a ton of money. So at the end of the day, one fake account here and 10 fake accounts there, it equals up to you basically scamming a whole community of people. So you deserve to be arrested for that. Now, I think, you know, most of the time, and and this is true no matter what industry you're in or just who you know, like, let's say, for instance, that I have a cousin who got arrested for suspicion of drunken driving. I, I've had cousins who have had that and it sucks and they're idiots for it, but let's just say they got arrested for suspicion of drunken driving. Get the handcuffs on them, click, click, they get led into the back of the police car, they go to jail for 12 hours. They have to sleep on a you know a cement bed and they have to eat really crappy food and they get released on a thousand dollars bond. They have to go to court and turns out someone screwed up the evidence and they couldn't really prove that my cousin drove drunk. So they dismiss the charge and say, you know what, you're you're James's cousin, you are free to go. You you know we don't believe that you drove drunk, but we're dismissing these um, with prejudice so they can't be refiled. So my cousin walks out a free person. And they don't have anything on their record or anything. But you know what? They still have the memory of their handcuffs being clicked on them and being put in a police car. That memory never goes away. So if Wells Fargo execs are going to be led out of their you know, high-rise apartments or their mansions in handcuffs and walked into the back of a police car, have a mugshot, have criminal charges against them with the potential of heavy fines or prison time, that's a win. Because that's all the American public will remember. You don't have to convict someone in a court of law. You convict them through that photo of them walking out in handcuffs. That's the most amazing thing for me for this, is the fact that we may get that picture in the coming weeks. 
Now, you know, because it's all speculation, we don't really know what the charges are going to be. But if it's some sort of bank fraud or wire fraud or something, and it could be wire fraud, especially if people are using Zelle or they're using electronic means to, you know, open those accounts. Wires, aka, you know, internet stuff was being used for that. 10, 20 years in prison is a possible possibility as a maximum sentence. And that's awesome. That That is awesome to me because, you know what, someone needs to be held accountable. And sometimes you just need blood. America is weird that way where sometimes we just need a scapegoat, a sacrificial lamb, in order to say, hey, you know what, we, we got what we needed out of this. You know, whenever, because I mentioned the hundred some odd million dollars in fines that Wells Fargo paid. That's nothing. A hundred million dollars in a company that earns 20 billion is literally few hundred dollar fine to the average American it's it's not a lot of money and it, it doesn't mean anything you know if I get a parking ticket for parking by a hydrant by my house and I get a $20 parking ticket well yeah it sucks don't get me wrong you know it's it's expensive but $20 is not gonna ruin my life $20 is not gonna mean I'm gonna miss the mortgage payment it's an inconvenience it's a nuisance but it doesn't mean anything so those fines mean nothing to Wells Fargo, but what means something is capital. When I mean by capital, it means someone's ass going to jail. Now, yes, you can talk about they're going to go to country club jails or they're going to get preferential treatment. Yeah, sure, why not? You know, there's drug dealers that I know that get preferential treatment in local jails and local prisons over here. I know this because some of them are friends of friends. I know this because some of them have ties to people that I know. And I hear stories about, hey, you know, this person's selling drugs in jail or this person has a TV in their cell when other people don't. You know, exemptions are made, exceptions are made for people anywhere you go. In banks, exceptions are made saying, hey, you know what, I know this person and they do good, they're a good customer, so I'm going to I'm gonna override the hold on this check because I know this person. In jail, the same thing. It's like, can I have an extra orange? Yeah, you know what? You're a model inmate. Go ahead and have that extra one. Um, don't tell anyone. Guards do that all the time. There's preferential treatment anywhere that you go, including the workplace. So if they get into a country club prison and they're playing polo while wearing their prison whites or whatever, I'm fine with that. The fact of the matter is they're still arrested, and if they're convicted, then they're still convicted. It's the fact that their their freedom is going to be taken away. If they have internet access, I can care less. If they have satellite TV in the jail cells, I can care less. They're still in jail. Okay, no, nothing could take away the fact that jail is jail. It doesn't matter how nice it is, you know. And and that's all we're looking for here. Now, I'm not a cruel person usually. <laughs> I really am not. But I really think that this needs to happen. I really think that. These people need to be on trial or at least be arrested in order for the country to move on, in order for the banking world to move on, because there needs to be consequences for this stuff. Now, the consequences of um, what Bank of America accused me of, for instance, were there. You know, I got terminated and it was frustrating. And 5,500 people that have a similar job to me, you know, at Wells Fargo got terminated for things that they were basically ordered to do just like I was they were ordered to open accounts at all costs push 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 open the accounts and I want results otherwise someone's head's gonna roll that's basically what Wells Fargo did and that's basically what um, every bank does every company does not just banks 
but the way that they did it, opening up fake accounts, it's stealing information is what it is. And it's stealing money, especially if someone was charged fees. That's fraud. That's deception. And that's wrong. So do I fault the person making $11 an hour as a personal banker at Wells Fargo in 2014 for that? Yeah, no. I fault them for not blowing the whistle and speaking up about it sooner. You know, the ethics thing goes both ways. You really should be able to tell on your bosses whenever your bosses are doing something wrong. But at the same time, I don't fault them because, you know what, they have families. You know how many single moms I knew working at banks? You know, it, it's more than the married couples with kids. They're worried about the next paycheck. They're worried about feeding their kids. So they're going to do everything and anything to keep that job, including doing unethical stuff. Do I want every single personal banker to be arrested who was part of the Wells Fargo fake account scandal? Absolutely not. Different circumstances, different places. But the fact of the matter is, I had to drag my ass to Bank of America for 7 a.m. Saturday morning meetings about 35 times a year because we didn't hit our goals. And what was funny is we did hit our overall goal, but week to week, you know, we didn't get 15 home loan referrals or we didn't get 30 accounts or we didn't make 30 appointments. So I had to wake up at 5.30 in the morning, have coffee, take a shower, get ready and get to the bank at, you know, two hours before opening to hear why I sucked. And that's not fun. And you want to do things just to shut them up. And I used to say that. I used to tell that to my boss. I said, I want to hit my goal so I can make sure that you don't talk to me. And, you know, it sounded cruel, but I think they respected my honesty and saying, hey, you know what? I want to work hard for my goal. That doesn't mean I'm going to do things wrong. Wells Fargo did a lot of things wrong, and there's going to be hell to pay. So if someone walks out in handcuffs, you better believe that that picture is going to be plastered all over at Bank Better Guy on Twitter. I really think it's necessary in order for us to move on here. Um, banks are still doing it. Wells Fargo still does this to a lesser extent. Bank of America does a lot of unethical things, and that was the crux, the reason why I started this podcast. And frankly, this is if this happens, it's going to be huge. So stick around, stay tuned, listen to this podcast, follow me on Twitter, and you'll find out more about it. I am anxiously awaiting um, handcuffs being clicked on, people in FBI or you know DOJ jackets you know leading away this person in this really expensive suit, a suit so expensive that it's worth more than every article of clothing in my closet. I'm looking forward to it. So Wells Fargo, your um, your time is coming, my friends. After this brief promotional consideration, I'm going to have a fun story about my training at Bank of America. I'm celebrating the eight-year anniversary of my banker training in Dallas and all the little fun, quirky things that happened to me while working for Bank of America in Dallas. So please stick around. All right, we're back. So um, 2020 is here, and that marks eight years since my um, ascension to the ranks. And I say that very, very um, much in jest. To personal banker relationship manager at Bank of America. And I thought I was the ish, as the kids say. I thought I was amazing and I did great things. I was a manager. I managed sales for a bank. I never thought that I could achieve that. You know, going to going to school in New Mexico, whether it's, you know, elementary, high school, middle school, or even college, and I have a college degree, you're really taught in an area like this to Get a job that you like and that you are really good at and just hold on to it for dear life. Like you're a koala on a tree. You're just 
putting your claws in that tree and you're not going to let go until they drag your ass out of there for retirement. That's what I was doing. You know, I I remember this when I was in my early 20s. My my grandma, my parents said, hey, just get a job at the post office. Get a good job to where you'll have a retirement, you'll have a pension, you'll have all this stuff. And it didn't matter exactly what job it was, you know, because like my grandparents were custodians. My uncle was a custodian. My dad is a short order cook. My mom was a restaurant manager. These aren't, you know, high profile jobs, but a lot of them just said, hey, just work and have that paycheck coming in every week. I wanted more than that. So I worked at a bank and I worked my way up. I was not good as a teller, but I worked my way up to a skill position and then I got relationship manager, personal banker. So in twenty late 2011, Bank of America said, okay, well, we're going to give you this job. We're going to send you away for training. And this is when Bank of America still had in-person training. They have this virtual, like, literally chat room looking thing. It looks like a Yahoo chat room from 1999. It's ridiculous and it sucks. And it makes bankers horrible at their job because they're not interacting with human beings. Well, in 2011, they said, hey, you're going to go to Dallas for your training. And I'm like, sweet. I get paid to go to work in another state. I get to stay in a hotel. I get food. I I was so excited about it. That was my first business trip. I was, you know, 27 years old. I hadn't really, you know, succeeded in the workforce until then. So everything about it was so exciting for me because I was like, hey, I'm going to learn and I'm going to become this kick-ass person. I'm going to make connections. I'm going to meet people who might end up being my boss and who may hire me down the road or something. So I get excited about it, and the first thing that they had me do uh, about November 2011 was look for airfare, and I was supposed to leave January 2nd, uh, 2012, and I was going to be there till the 7th or something like that, so they said, hey, well, look for flights. I am a deal horse, okay? I love looking for deals. I love coupons. I love just searching, searching, searching. I look for airline ticket deals um, today, even though I'm not going anywhere. I don't have the money to go anywhere. But I'll still look because I like that search. I love the feeling that I get when I'm looking for something and I find something. So, you know, El Paso to Dallas, Albuquerque, New Mexico to Dallas. I I knew the rates. I already knew in my head. I was like, I'm going to impress them. I was like, I can find a flight for probably $49, $59 each way, Southwest Airlines. It's all coach. I don't need first class or anything. I just need to get there. I was like, I can find this. I'm going to show them. So I was tasked at work to say, hey, go find a flight, let me know, and we'll whip out the corporate credit card and we'll order it for you. So I immediately look for the want to get away fares from Southwest Airlines, and I put, you know, El Paso to Dallas. Okay, it's a two-hour flight, and okay, this one leaves 7 o'clock at night on New Year's Day, $49. I'm like, wow, 49 bucks. And then the way back the following Friday... $59 on the way back. Holy crap. It's literally $100, $108 to go round trip from El Paso to Dallas. Yeah, it's Texas to Texas, but Texas is a huge state, so it's a it's a long flight, a lot of miles. So I go to my boss and I say, "Hey, I found a flight. Look at this. $108 each way. They leave at certain times and I I think it works out for everyone." And then she looks in and she says, "Well, James, you're on Southwest's main site." You have to go through our intranet site. Um, they call it BCO at the time, Banking Center Online, and go to travel, employee travel, click on airlines, click on Southwest Airlines, search Dallas to El Paso, El Paso to Dallas, and put the dates in there. And then you'll be able to find um, the things that Bank of America will approve. 
I'm like, okay. <laughs> I was like, I found an amazing deal. It's not my money, so go right ahead. So I literally look for El Paso to Dallas, and I find the same flight, the same want-to-get-away ticket, although it was grayed out, and they had business select or something like that. And it said $487. $487 from El Paso to Dallas on that same exact flight. Same exact time. Everything was the same. There was no bonuses to that except it was business select or something like that. And then she goes, yep, click on that one. I'm like, why? <laughs> I can find this. Literally, it's it's 10 times the price. It's 10 times the price of what I look for. It's like, well, you got to go through corporate because we got to enter our corporate card in. And it had her name on it. She didn't get miles or she didn't get any benefits out of it. It was Bank of America's card. And I was like, this is so stupid. I can literally get it for, like, I understand Bank of America is a big company. But I can literally get this flight for, you know, 90% less than what this is. It's like, we got to do it this way. That's the rules. It's against policy, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, okay, whatever. And then I look for the flight back. Dallas to El Paso, $207, $700 with taxes for a round trip flight from El Paso to Dallas, I literally had it for $108, seven times the amount because it was the corporate fare, it was the corporate card, it was the corporate Southwest website, now I, I don't begrudge Southwest Airlines for getting money from a big company like that, hell I would too, if if I knew that a, a big company was um, buying my stuff. But holy crap, Bank of America just so willy-nilly just said, hey, you know what, we're going to pay 700%, you know, $7 to every dollar for your flight from Texas to Texas. I entered in that credit card information, like, with a scowl. I was so pissed off. I'm like, this is the stupidest thing ever. Why do I have to, why do I have to partake in just losing hundreds of dollars like this? It didn't feel right. I, it felt dirty. Got my tickets. I was happy about it. I was like, whatever. I'm going to Dallas. I don't have to think about this. I didn't really have the best relationship with my branch manager at the time. Although, you know, in retrospect, uh, I think she was probably the best manager because she had a weird way of caring about you. And I start to see it now um, all these months and now years gone from working in banking. So I really thank her for that. But I didn't like her at the moment. So I was just like, I can't wait to get the hell out of there. New Year's Day, of course, it's a federal holiday, you know, no work, so I'm packing my bags, I go to the gym, get ready to go, and I'm there at the airport. Not really a big flyer, I don't have a fear of flying, but I just don't like to fly, I just get anxiety. So I'm by myself, and I'm just trying to, you know, just focus on my phone, just start to do things to not pay attention to the fact that I'm flying. I land in Dallas, it's late at night, it's like 11 o'clock at night. I'm just ready to eat, ready to get to the hotel, and um, I was supposed to have a car waiting for me because Bank of America was supposed to get a car to like a car service to drive me to the hotel, which was in Addison, which was a hell of a long way away from Love Field. I don't know the mileage. I I didn't look for this podcast, and it wasn't there. And I called the service, the service, the car service that they told me that I was going to get. And they were closed because it was New Year's Day, and not to mention it was 11 o'clock at night. So I'm like, oh man, what the hell am I going to do? So they had this like taxi ordering system. This was pre-Uber and pre-Lyft, by the way. So they had this taxi kiosk ordering thing. I was like, where are you located? Well, I'm at the airport. I'm trying to go to, and I'm trying to look for my hotel's address. And I'm entering it in, and it's not finding it. 
So it says to call some number, and then I called the number, and they said a cab will be there in 10 minutes. And what I was told was I got to use my personal card, and I'll be able to get reimbursed for it on the way back. So I'm like, that's fine. I, I didn't know anything about business trips. So I, I just was kind of going on the fly. So I waited and waited and waited, and that guy didn't show up. I was there for an hour outside. And then I called the cab service. I said, hey, I ordered a cab, and I'm out here in the cold, and I need to get to my hotel, so what's going on? And I said, well, he circled past the airport, and he didn't see you. I was like, well, does he know what what I look like? Does he know what I, what he was looking for? I was like, I don't get what's going on. And then the person on the phone was rude. So I said, okay, we'll send another car out. So they sent another car out 20 minutes later. And I drove. The guy was nice. You know, he was running red lights for me because he knew I was tired and everything. And, you know, he said it'll be twenty-eight fifty, And I'm like, damn, it's a lot. So I break out my debit card. And I said, well, I need a receipt for um, business expense and all that. And, it's, you know, it's 2012. You know, it's not like it's the ancient times. It's Most places will have the credit card swiper and the receipt popping out. Well, this cab didn't. So this guy had to write out a receipt on a piece of, like hotel paper like he had one of those hotel notepads and then he's like one cab ride from blah 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 to blah 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 20 and i was just like okay i hope that works it didn't work so i had to pay that 28 dollars cab for out of pocket ah it was frustrating and it was like 12 45 at night i was just tired and hungry and um we picked this hotel called the hotel intercontinental in addison it was supposed to be a stone's throw away from the training center in addison where bank of america was and it looked nice. It was beautiful. The pictures of the lobby. And I took pictures of the lobby too uh, while I was there. And it's just amazing. I, I really loved it a lot. The The rooms are kind of like 1980s-ish. But the, the lobby was beautiful. I go in there and then, um, you know, I get my room. And I said, well, I'm really hungry. Is there any restaurant open down here? No, we're all closed. Although we do have room service options late night hours. So I go up to the room and I'm like, well, this I need I need to eat and this is gonna count towards my per diem, sixty dollars a day Bank of America gave me. So I go up to the room, I order, and I said, Can I have uh something burger? I forget what it was. Oh, we don't have that. We only have cold sandwiches and soup. So I was like, okay, well I'll have a turkey sandwich then. I was like, okay, we'll be right up. Seventeen fifty for that turkey sandwich. And when they brought it up, you know, it was nice to eat. But it was a gas station turkey sandwich. They didn't even prepare, like, an actual sandwich. It was literally one of those things that's kind of wrapped up in that, like, saran wrap. And then it was, like, in a bag. It was something you literally would get at a gas station. 17 bucks for that. So I ate it. I was happy. I wasn't paying for it, so I was fine with it. Went to bed and um, went off to work. Well, here's the thing. Bank of America said, hey, because the training center is so close to the hotel, you don't need a rental car. Um, you can actually just um, use the hotel shuttle. <laughs> and I was like, the hotel shuttle's for, like, airports. It's not to drive me around wherever I want. And I was like, oh, yeah, that'll be nice. Just give them a tip or whatever. I was like, you got to be kidding me. First day, I go to the shuttle guy, and he's a nice guy. He was a really nice guy. And I said, hey... I need to know where this address is, Dallas Parkway, you know, it's a Bank of America train center. I was like, oh, yeah, I know where it's at. And he said, get in. And he went in the van, and he said, hey, look, there it is right there. Thank you. Gave him five bucks. I was really thankful for it. It wasn't that far. It was, you know, two miles or so. 
and I go there in the training center, and it was it was amazing, you know. It was it was cool to see such a workplace with so many people working for a company. I'd never been a part of that before. And I won't get into the specifics of all the training and stuff because I think that's the least fun part of the training. Although I did have a really cool trainer there, and honestly, she made me the salesperson that I was. Um, it was interesting. And to see the dynamic of the people who are in the training center relative to the people who work there day to day. I think there was like a credit card call center in there. We were walking into the cafeteria lunchroom thing that they have there. And I walked in and I never felt that way before except in high school when I was bullied a lot. People were looking at me like I was an outcast. They were looking at me with disdain. I'm like, what the hell is going on? I'm just a guy here to eat. And I would get my food options and sit there by myself and I'd sit there quietly. Everyone's looking. I'm like, what the hell are they looking at? I don't understand. So I dealt with that for five days. <laughs> it was really, really awkward. And, um, of course, I had to pay for that food to make America reimburse me for it or whatever. Um, but there was a couple of things that I did that I just I got chastised on and I got so pissed about it. So here's the thing. So again, as I mentioned, they didn't want a front for a, a rental car. And they told me, well, use the shuttle and just tip the guy and he'll take you anywhere. Well, then I talked to my manager. I said, well, I'm tipping this guy. Do I get my money back on tips? And she's like, no, those are tips. It doesn't count towards your actual fare. I'm like, well, why am I taking the shuttle everywhere then? And I was like, well, don't take the shuttle. Walk everywhere. And she's like, well, yeah, the training center is just right there by the hotel. I was like... You don't understand. Yeah, it's right there, but there's like a major interstate right here. Unless you want me to cross interstate traffic, I'm like, you know, you can't possibly think that I should do this. And she's like, well, just be careful. Be safe. It's, you know, everyone walks. It doesn't, I was like, okay, whatever. You don't even know, I said. So I called my other boss and she says, well, um, we recommend that you walk. Everything is pedestrian friendly in Dallas. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, in Texas, everything is pickup trucks and highways. I was terrified. I thought I was going to get run over, even on the city streets, walking from the hotel to the training center. It wasn't a long walk. It took about 30 minutes. I mean, don't get me wrong. The walk sucked because it was so cold in the morning. But, I mean, I'm fine with it. I'm, I was kind of in shape at the time, so I walked there, and I was fine by it. But I never had any way of getting anywhere else while I was over there. So when I wanted to go eat dinner, I couldn't just, hey, shuttle, take me to wherever. I didn't know and I didn't want to bug this person. So I asked, I asked the shuttle guys, can you take me to Walmart? I saw Walmart across the street. And then come for me in half an hour, I said, I'm just going to buy groceries. I'm literally going to buy potato chips and bread and stuff. And I'm just going to have it in the hotel room. I said, I can't deal with this crap. He said, yeah, sure, whatever. So I bought $40 worth of groceries to have in my hotel room. And um, try to explain that to your uh, manager whenever you're trying to get reimbursed. It's like, why did you go to Walmart for? Because I didn't want to dart through the interstate to try to get something like warm to eat. Is basically what I wanted to do. But um, I was at the Galleria, the Dallas Galleria, which is not too far from the hotel. It's a huge mall. It's one of the biggest malls I've ever been in. Four floors, probably two million square feet. It was just amazing. I walked in. I just enjoyed it. And I ran into one of my trainees who was also from my area, from El Paso, Texas. And she was awesome. Her name was Rebecca. And she, I was like, hey, James. I'm like, 
someone calling my name in Dallas. I didn't know anyone in Dallas. So it was it was stunning. And she's hey, I know you from the class. Yeah. And so we walked around. We walked around this clothing store. We went to this flip-flop store and everything. It was just a unique conversation. It was a nice, friendly conversation to have with someone who I didn't really think was a friend. It was just a colleague. But it was nice to just talk about something that wasn't work. And then she says, you want to get something to eat? And I was like, yeah, sure. So I go to this Grand Lux Cafe. I'm sure there's Grand Lux Cafe in a major city near you. So it's you know something that you might be familiar with. Because I've seen it in Vegas, too. And, you know, we have a nice meal, $15 plate or something like that. And I'm like, well, I haven't spent any of my per diem now, so I have $45. And they have $5 margaritas. <laughs> and I talked to the, I talked to two um, of the waiters. Um, both of them were in my demographic. Both of them were in their 20s. One was Hispanic, one was an African-American guy. And I said, hey, um, I want a drink <laughs> because it's been a stressful week working for Bank of America and I don't want to show it on the bill because they're not going to reimburse me for alcohol. I was like, I want a margarita. Is there any way you could charge me for loaded mashed potatoes or something like that? And he's like, yeah, sure, no problem. So I my bill literally had like eight loaded mashed potatoes on there plus my meal um, because I had eight margaritas. So we had eight margaritas, so we got really, really hammered. And I had to explain that to my boss. Like, why would you order so many mashed potatoes? I was like, man, they're so good. <laughs> they were really good. So, um, that was my way of thumbing my nose at Bank of America. I was like, hey, you know what, I'm going to buy booze. Because these a-holes, and I and I said it, you know, I said these a-holes don't deserve me. I was treated like crap. I was eating freaking bolo- warm bologna sandwiches, warm ham sandwiches in my room. Because they couldn't spend literally $20 on a rental car. It was, and and, and I wasn't getting reimbursed for tipping the the shuttle guy. I was just really frustrated and really mad. So I was like, you know, I'm going to get drunk at the expense of Bank of America. And I did. I did. I had those margaritas and it said loaded mashed potatoes on the bill. Um, beautiful stuff. And I made a I made a friend out of it. It was, real, it was a really cold evening to have that uh, kind of take the edge off. Last day I was there, I wanted to go have something that I never had before, like a restaurant I'd never been to before. Chain restaurant. So I went to Steak and Shake. I always heard good things about it. Um, they didn't really have that many in my part of the country. So I was like, hey, I'm going to try it out, see what it's all about and everything. I have to walk across that very busy um, exit for the interstate. There was, of course, a bridge there and stoplight and everything. I was terrified. I really thought I was going to get hit. It was like 6 o'clock at night. It was dark. I was just terrified that someone was not going to see me and just run me over. I was really scared because the shuttle guy was not there for some reason. So I walk about the mile or so across to where that Walmart shopping center was. And there was a steak and shake there. So I walk in and get a burger and fries. And then they have shakes. They have like regular shakes, you know, chocolate, vanilla, strawberry. They have these other type of shakes. And then they have specialty shakes. You know, it's like vanocolate. It was like vanilla chocolate and chocolate banana peanut butter cup, whatever. And the cost between the regular shakes and the premium specialty shakes was fifty cents difference. It was two ninety nine for the regular ones. For the special ones, it was three forty nine. And I literally had not eaten the whole day. I had the food in my room. There was a continental breakfast at um at the hotel lobby. And then for lunch, I had a pickle and I had a bag of chips and a bottle of water the Bank of America gave me. So I spent $0 out of my 60 I literally spent $8 out of my 60 at Steak and Shake with burger fries and the shake. 
I use my card, I get the receipt, keep the receipt. And I, you know, that was my last meal there before I had to fly the next day. So I was, I was, I was excited, you know, I got to eat something. It was really good, really delicious. And off I went back home. Later on, about two weeks later, when I'm submitting my Conquer, I'm sure you guys are familiar with Conquers if you are in the business world. And I submit my scans and my receipts. And one of them was the steak and shake for the, you know, the bacon cheeseburger and the fries. And it says specialty shake. And then it was binoculate or whatever the hell I got. I don't even remember. I have a picture of it. I can post it on Twitter. I did post it on Twitter. And I get a call from my manager. And she says, well, we got a question about something that you ordered. And we want to clarify what's going on here. I was like, okay. I, I didn't... I figured they were going to call me out of my loaded mashed potatoes thing, but I mean, hey, a receipt's a receipt, right? It's like, well, you ordered a specialty milkshake at Steak and Shake, and we noticed it was $3.49. Why didn't you just order a regular milkshake? I was like, what do you mean, why don't I order a regular? Because the one that sounded good was the $3.49 one. But yeah, you know, when you work for Bank of America, you really can't be... Um, overspending like that, especially when you're on a trip like that, it's bad optics. It's unethical to to overspend just for the sake of overspending. And I'm I'm just talking to my manager, and I'm like, son of a bitch, man. Like I I was frustrated. I was mad, and because two things: one, I had the receipt, and it said specialty three forty nine. So what the what the person had to do who flagged my conquer request, literally had to go to Steak and Shake's website. Go to a menu, and sometimes they don't have the cost of the shakes on the website because different cities have different costs. So maybe they went to, you know, whatever, like the Yelp, TripAdvisor, or whatever, saw a picture of the menu, saw the picture of the cost of the specialty shake relative to the regular shake, and saw a difference and just decided to, excuse my language, bust my balls over a 50 cent difference from a specialty milkshake to a regular milkshake. And they literally said, Hey, you know, you don't want to overspend. It looks bad. You're spending all of Bank of America's money, and Bank of America does so much by you. I just said, it's 50 cents. I will take the 50 cent loss if that's what it's all about. I was like, literally, it's $3.49. It was $8. I had a 60-day per diem. I spent 12% of what you guys gave me. Okay, but for next time, there was no next time because Bank of America stopped doing these travel trips for their bankers because they wanted them in the branch. But for next time, James, whenever you're in a place like that, just order basic stuff. Don't go fancy. You go fancy, it's going to look bad on you. Whatever. So pissed. (laughs) I was so mad. I literally was at work and I was helping some customers that I knew. I mean, everyone I knew at my branch. And they're like, James, what the hell's wrong with you? You look so mad. And I told one of my customers, like, I literally got in trouble for ordering a milkshake that's 50 cents more expensive than the cheapest milkshake at Steak and Shake. And I told him all about it. And I showed him a picture of the milkshake. I had my phone on me. I was like, oh, man, that's a good milkshake. And, it was, and, and I, I said, how much do you think that milkshake cost? Looks like a million bucks, man. That milkshake looks like a six, seven dollar milkshake. In Vegas, you pay twelve dollars for it. And I was like, I don't know, about eight dollars. I was like, three forty nine. The guy's like, his name is Mr. Medina. What the hell is that? 
three dollars and they're they're yelling at you about that that is the stupidest thing in the world i literally got him riled up to where he was like wanting to close his accounts out i was like no it's okay i'm fine i'm i'm gonna be okay um but yeah that's what i remember i just remember all the behind the scenes stuff and i understand bank of america wants to tighten its belts and i'm sure people take advantage of stuff like that but i literally ate ham and bologna and cheese sandwiches in my hotel room because bank of america was too cheap to give me a rental car, yeah, I would have driven two miles across uh, the bridge to that shopping center with Walmart and all that. I probably would have done it anyway. But literally, they put me in a place to where I couldn't travel. I was in this major metroplex where there's millions of people and millions of things going on. And I really couldn't experience it because, oh, it's all about Bank of America. And, oh, yeah, we, we gave you all this stuff, James, and you're you're literally sitting pretty. I wasn't, though. I literally had a gas station turkey sandwich, bologna and ham and cheese sandwiches in my room, a gigantic bag of spicy nacho Doritos, a bunch of energy drinks, a bunch of Dr. Peppers. They had Mr. Pib there. I love Mr. Pib. I literally wish I could have taken a 12-pack of Mr. Pib with me on the plane. Um, they had all that. So I had that there. I wasn't, I wasn't starving. But the fact of the matter is they literally busted my hump over a 50 cent upcharge on a premium milkshake at Steak and Shake. Told me all I needed to know about Bank of America at that point. The hotel I stayed at was phenomenal. It was $110 a night and I fought for it because it was close to the training center. Although I thought they were going to give me a rental car. I, I, I thought it was the, the close proximity would make it easy for me to kind of deal with um, just getting there I guess. But alas that wasn't the case. But it was it was gorgeous. It seemed like important people were at that um, hotel, and I loved it. Uh, the second night that I was there, I actually did order a Papa John's pizza, a gigantic Papa John's pizza with all the fixings, all the extras, cheesy bread, and the whole nine. So I did waste about $30 on Papa John's pizza there. And on the Papa John's website, I said, just leave it at the front desk. And I go down from the 10th floor to the lobby, and in true Home Alone 2 fashion, because I love that movie, I grew up with it as a kid, literally the bellhop was like, Mr. Baca, here's your pizza, sir. And I never felt more freaking important working at Bank of America than I did at that moment. A Papa John's pizza, which I don't even eat Papa John's anymore for political reasons and for um, taste reasons, made me feel like a king of Bank of America. But Bank of America didn't make me feel like a king when I worked there. So whether it's banks overselling you to the point where there's going to be criminal charges um, that they're going to face. Whether it's a bank who says it loves its employees but literally busts their hump over a 50 cent upcharge on a, on a shake. Whether it's a bank that doesn't want to pay for a rental car for the employee that they value so much, literally putting him in danger walking across interstate traffic. And I'm serious about this. I have photos of it. I've already posted them on Twitter. I'll post them again. When you have your valued employee eat bologna sandwiches in his hotel room because he didn't want to pay for a car, you, whether you have a bank making this person walk in 20 degree weather two miles to the training center, my friends, those are a lot of reasons why your bank sucks. I went 30 minutes on this story and I can't believe I did that. I can talk for hours about my training story and I may talk again in the future about the hotel part or just the interaction part with the training. I've done a training podcast before, but the detailed training of how I became a really good salesperson. It's a podcast in and of itself. But those are a lot of reasons why your bank sucks, my friend.
My name is James Baca, and after this brief promotional consideration, I will be right back to wrap it up, so please stick around. Attention potential sponsors, my name is James Baca, and I'm the host of the Wire Bank Sucks podcast. We are actively seeking great sponsors to join us on the podcast that has the financial world and its customers talking. Wire Bank Sucks is a consumer advocacy podcast that deals with issues at major banks in a no-holds-barred manner in frank detail. We have a motivated fan base who is informed about their finances and is ready to spend with your company. Our podcast, Why Your Bank Sucks, has about 10,000 plays on average across multiple podcast platforms each episode as of November 2019 with room to grow. My Twitter handle, at BankBetterGuy, has over 2 million impressions at a minimum each month with about 10 to 15,000 profile views every month. We are seeking sponsors to fill ad spots within the podcast as well as Twitter ads. Our ad rates are lower than the national average for a podcast our size, so get tremendous value for your dollar and have your company or product featured on one of the hottest new podcasts. Contact me at area code 575-418-1228 or james at notoriousbanker.com for more info. And you know what? I can't wait to do business with you. All right, we are back. Patreon.com slash notoriousbanker. I cannot stress it enough. Please, please, please donate a dollar, two, five, ten, twenty, fifty, hundred, a thousand. It doesn't matter. Any donation will help. Any donation will help make this podcast successful, make my project successful, allow me to pay the bills, allow me to work for you and not work for the men. So if you feel in your heart that I do a great job and I provide you entertainment, by all means, patreon.com slash notoriousbanker donate today. Listen to my other podcast, The Notorious Better Banking Guy. I have a podcast coming up on theft. It's going to be interesting. Have a poll up and having the conversation with so many people who have stolen from their jobs is just just uniquely interesting. And I'm really glad to talk about this in detail. I never stole money from Bank of America, but have I taken pens? Have I taken pieces of paper? Absolutely. I mean, who hasn't? Post-it notes. I've done that. I've done it by accident at times. Um... Book coming out really soon. I gotta make money. I gotta get this book out. So I'm gonna be working my ass off the next couple of days to get it done. Um, click on the podcast. Even if you don't listen to them, click on all of them. I get a couple of pennies every time you click on it. And you know what? Those pennies help buy me lunch, buy me dinner. And you know, these are the things that I focus on. Um, I'm here for you guys. Vigilante Customer Service is here to rescue your money from Bank of America. If you have any issues with banks, whether it's Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Chase City, DM me and I'll find someone that you can yell at. I'll find someone that'll that'll try to make things right. I will fight for you. Just give me the opportunity. DM me, Twitter at BankBetterGuy, JamesAndNotoriousBanker.com. It's all there. Potential sponsors, jamesandnotoriousbanker.com. My cell phone number is on notoriousbanker.com. Please leave me a message, text message. I would love to do business with you. Let's make this project um, be more successful. 3.7 million tweet impressions, about 11,000 downloads per podcast. We are successful already. We just need the money to prove it. And guess what? In this banking world, in this world that we live in, it's all about money. So my friends, until we meet again a few days from now, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Thank you so much for your support and your trust. I told a very interesting story about food and just expenses uh, when it came to Bank of America and its training. And then I told you about, hey, Wells Fargo people are going to jail today. And that sounds like a cause for celebration. I may buy a premium milkshake <laughs> as a result for it. So until we meet again, my friends, my name is James Baca, and I just told you why your bank sucks. We'll talk to you all soon. Thank you so much. Have a great day.